Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 14 of the Musical Connections podcast. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and we got a wonderful conversation lined up for you this week. We got photographer, singer, Aaron O'Mara. This is a really fun conversation that we had, and it's a pretty long one, too, so make sure you have your popcorn ready to listen to uh, a great conversation with Aaron, going back to her careers from her early days in the uh, punk scene here in Newfoundland and Labrador, to uh, Biscuit, to The Narrows, to her photography. She talks about it all, and she has some great stories to tell. So that'll be coming up right after this week's newfound releases. And um, I'm not going to lie, the releases have been pretty slow over the past couple of weeks, but this one is a pretty loaded one. And we are going to start with indie singer-songwriter Ashleen Malloy. Now, she went under the name A.M., for uh, her Viv release, but has gone back to the Ashley Malloy old name. You can have a thousand AMs, but you can only have one Ashleen Malloy. Here's her new single right now for you. This is 17 on Newfound Releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Held on to 17 like I held my father's hand. And after. My second decade When I just felt like being damned Asleep on my back Because my pillow traces time to my skin Every time I look back I see the fat fall from my cheeks Well, does it go on? Past 23 I gotta keep my clothes on Do you still want me? Do you still want me? 
it too much to call her Newfoundland and Labrador's version of Billie Eilish? Well, <laughs> according to Ashleen, she takes it as a compliment. And uh, well-deserved as well. 17 there from Ashleen here on the Musical Connections podcast. And we are now going to go to country singer-songwriter, born in Indonesia but based here in St. John's, Zai Nova. He was up for Country Artist of the Year and Global Music Artist of the Year at the most recent Music and L Awards. And he, won- and he was a nominee for the Canadian Independent music- Video Music Awards. Well, this fifth single from Zai Nova, he says it's about truth and a long journey involving rejections, hard work, not giving up, believing, forgiveness, and spirit that all brave hearts possess. And it's about his mother's gift to him, the gift of a brave heart. Ten years in the making, this is Braveheart on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. I waved goodbye to my mother and left my homeland at 17 at a shallow harbor. She kissed me and said, I love you, son. I grew up feeling like a stranger. I've been told things by a mullah. So I sailed away and didn't know why I didn't ask. I packed my things Then left my mother cried Mother I go To a place where my love Where my truth and my heart I embrace with wide open arms
tune there from Zai Nova. That is Braveheart. And now we are going to go to an artist that I featured quite a bit here on Musical Connections, rapper Decay. With a little help from Janet Cole, here's Blue Chips on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Yeah, that's a mind fuck, isn't it, at the beginning there? It's awesome. Oh. Yeah. Never back down, never quit. Always been equipped. 2020 vision, head down, going in. Holy don't trip. Stacking blue chips in this bitch. Never back down, never quit. Always been equipped. 2020 vision, head down, going in. Holy don't trip. Stacking blue chips in this bitch. Never been the type to take a knee I always persevered through the pain and misery Kept the ball rolling, no referee Ain't no brick wall strong enough to put a stop to me Young clocking on my minutes, insanity driven Scrape to rock bottom and bounce back A legend, independent, socially disconnected In the lab, put my work in, I'm present, yeah Running tracks like a marathon Ain't dependent on anybody to leave a legacy Stomped through hell's gates and found my recipe 1K energy manifesting my destiny Never back down, never quit Always been equipped 2020 vision, head down, going in Holy don't trip Stacking blue chips in this bitch Never back down, never quit Always been equipped 2020 vision, head down, going in Stacking blue chips in this bitch I'm still stacking, applying these new tactics Still practice my craft, cooking these classics Never been average, motivated by madness Elevated my status, developed new apparatus <laughs> Yeah, I'm ripping off the band-aid Been betrayed, heartbroken, but I bounce back, baby It's the K to define one, climbing up Those tough times built a savage with an iron lung Never back down, never quit Always been equipped 2020 vision, head down, going in Holy don't trip Stacking blue chips in this bitch Never back down, never quit Always been equipped 2020 vision, head down, going in Holy don't trip Stacking blue chips in this bitch is the Musical Connections podcast. Great tune there from Decay, along with Janet Cull. That is Blue Chips. We are now going to go to Jamaican-born but St. John's-based artist Jay Hart. And I love this new track. Here is After the Tone, right here on Newfound Releases, as part of the Musical Connections podcast. And I'm out of my mind But I don't wanna keep Taking advantage, leaving you damaged You wanted me to pick up my phone But leave a message up to the door Don't wanna hurt you anymore Please don't make this complicated I made up my mind Stop my let you know you're running out of quarantine no. Thinking the mess, keep it moving No need for changing the past Cause we're humans Just gotta live with the facts it's over now
track there from jamaican born and st john's based jay hart that is after the tone we are now going to go to instrumental artist nikki dex i got to meet this guy at the arts and culture center back in december great guy and uh he told me he was working on a brand new single and here it is for you now this is the shakedown song on newfound releases as part of the musical connections podcast
another great tune there here on New Found Releases. That is Nikki Dex with the Shakedown song. And right now, let's go to our final New Found Release of the week. It comes from singer-songwriter Chris Pico. Here's the third single from his upcoming album, Split Down the Middle, set to come out in March. This is Make It Up to You on New Found Releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. <laughs> Busy musical connection so far, and uh, we are not done by a long shot. We are next to connect now with musician and photographer extraordinaire Aaron O'Mara. We talk about her early days in the punk rock scene here on Newfoundland and Labrador, from Psycho Ward to Naked Pictures to her time in pop rock band Biscuit, as well as her time in the Narrows. And uh, what I've got to know her for over the past couple of years, her great photography skills. 
and uh, she has a bunch of stories to tell, including uh, Biscuit being the last ever band to play at the Strain Lounge at the Avalon Mall when it closed in 1996. This is a really fun interview. I had a great time chatting with her. We are next to connect with Aaron O'Mara. Alrighty, welcome back to the Musical Connections podcast. I'm your host, Zach Snow. And uh, for the past couple of weeks, we've been covering East Coast Musical Award and Juno nominees. But we're going to take a different turn as we're going to be talking with one of Newfoundland and Labrador legends. You may recognize her for a wonderful personality, and you may see her taking photos of some of Newfoundland and Labrador's finest. But you may also know that she's a musician herself. She was part of the punk scene of the late 80s and early 90s here in uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, particularly in St. John's. And she joined Biscuit in 1993 and released an album called Speak Now in 1998. And uh, the main reason I got her on here, Biscuit was the last band to play at the Strand Lounge on the Avalon Mall. And she also plays with the Narrows. And uh, overall, she's just a fun person to be around. So joining me right now on the Musical Connections podcast is Erin O'Mara. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, love. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, I just had to get you on. And I mean, the last time I saw you, it was at the uh, Love Song for Valentine's concert. And uh, you and me just had a grand chat. And uh, when I was trying to think of guests to get for the podcast, I said, you are definitely going to be one of the guests in the podcast. And a couple of weeks <laughs> later, here we are. There we go. Perfect. So how are things in the world right now of Aaron O'Mara? Uh, things are good. Things are busy, which is a good thing, especially after the pandemic when things were shut down so much. But uh, yeah, things are good. Things are fine. Wonderful. Now, um, you we all know you for uh, your photography work, and you also uh, play with the Narrows, and you've also played in a many other bands throughout your career but i want to go back to uh, your early days uh growing up in mount pearl and of course uh you grew up in mount pearl i mean i grew up in st john's uh kilbride uh uh farther down uh, when you get into st john's when you go to kilbride and the ghouls but i want to go back to mount pearl for a second uh what was life growing up in mount pearl and uh what drew you to music well i'm the original mount pearl girl so um old school so i loved growing up in mount pearl um it was uh, it was a great community it was a lot smaller back then i'm 58 years old, I'll be 59 in June, so we're going way back. But um, a lot of lifelong friends, a lot of uh, great family, loved go, loved my school, loved my schoolmates, big shout out to Mary Queen of the World. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And, and, and the music came from, I came from a very musical family. And music was very, very, very encouraged in our school, um, even though it was mostly hymns and Catholic stuff. But choir was uh, choir was a big thing. There was a lot of music around, whether it was either at home or school. So I guess I was kind of bored into it. <laughs> wow, that is pretty, pretty cool. So um, I want to go back to 1986. That was your very first gig. Mm-hmm. It was at a place called The Top Hat. And uh, the group that you first joined called uh, it was called Psycho Ward. Now, um, what was the story Psycho of that Ward. first gig like? Oh God, it was it was <laughs> a really funny story. My cousin um, Joe Rich, who um, I love very much, he's uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. But um, um, a great, like I said, my, my cousin, a great musician. Um, he was in a lot of bands over the years, kind of growing up as well. But he was in um, his band was playing at the Top Hat in Manuals one weekend, and part of the gig at the Top Hat in Manuals back in the eighties was you did a matinee on Sunday. 
So he said to me, he said, I, Aaron, I hear you got a little band going. And I said, yeah, we're just rehearsing. We're jamming, hoping to get some gigs, blah, blah, blah. And he said, look, he said, get some tunes together. And we will, he said, come up on Sunday and get up and have a jam. Like, get your band up and do a few songs. And so I put it past the band and we were all over it. Okay, so skip ahead to the Sunday. We show up, we're all nervous. And because of the rush of it, we only learned five songs. That's all we had in our repertoire at this point was five songs. But again, Joe wasn't playing at that bar probably for another month or two. So we said, we're either going to do it now or not. And as a guest to get up, five songs was more than enough to get up and do a jam. Usually you get up, do two or three, you're good. But he said, no, 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 you're getting up and and you're doing the five. So I remember, like I said, it was a Sunday afternoon. It was beautiful. And I remember getting up and, I, I done a lot of musical theater growing up in in school um, under Jacinta Mackey actually, and and again the choir, the the theater, the stuff. So the band thing was something I always wanted to do, but was very nervous. But you know, grabbed the bull by the horn, and I remember looking down and seeing Paul Monahan at the bar, and he was just you know he was Paul, he was even Paul Monahan back then, and great guitar player. And I remember thinking, oh my God, what's he doing here? Because he was just a big star to me. So we did our five songs and it went over really well to the point where we got an encore and we didn't know any more songs. <laughs> so we did, right? So we did the first song again. Oh my <laughs> God. And I did, but I did explain to everybody, listen, we're brand new. It's my cousin, Joe. We only learned five songs because it was such a rush. <laughs> so what we did, we did the very first song over again because it was like five songs ago. So they're probably not going to remember it. Oh yeah. But the sweet thing, but the sweet thing about it was when we finished and got such a good reception, Paul Monahan sent up a tray of drinks for the band as a round on him to say congratulations, what a great set. And I'll never, to this day, like I love Paul, we're friends now. It's funny, but to this day, I will never ever forget him for that. It, it was just, it was such a sweet gesture. You know, he wasn't, he had nothing to gain over. Just like, hey guys, good job. <laughs> and officially- so yeah so that was my very first time that was kind of that was as a band it was my very first time on stage it wasn't my first time on stage because i have a very funny story for that if you want to hear it absolutely let us know okay so back in the 80s i don't know if you know this or not you're kind of young but we'll see oh yeah back I, in the I 80s it was a, a oh yeah yeah <laughs> around here there was a band called chaos they were um, heavy metal progressive they were fantastic it was uh, led by Cindy and Raina Witchman, who are dear, dear friends of mine to this day. And um, they were all original. They were they did really, really well. Had big production, big light show. They were they were the band. They did a lot of the um, concerts in the park for Oz FM. They were on the cover of the Herald. They were that band back in the day. Mm-hmm. And my cousin, my cousin Sue, which I hope she's listening. My cousin Sue was dating the guitar player and. Um, so whenever they'd have a gig in and around town, Sue would say to me, just come with me. Like, just so she you know, wouldn't have to hang out alone because Todd, Todd lived on the other side of the island so they would get to see each other whenever they could. So of course, being the, the great cousin I am, <laughs> I would go to the gigs and of course I'd want to see the band anyway because Cindy to me was just, she was everything. Mm-hmm. So one night we were playing, and they were playing at Teasers in Holyrood. Now there's a shout out. And we were all dressed up and Cindy had said to me, we talked about, you know, music. And I said, no, I just do, you know, musical theater. I've done a couple of things. And 
she said, oh, you should get on. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, so God. this night we're at, yeah, this night we're at Teasers and of course Sue and I are dancing and we're up in front of the band and Cindy was singing Tush by ZZ Top. And for whatever reason, she grabbed me and put me in front of the microphone and ran off stage. And <laughs> I guess, it was, I guess she was, I was just bold enough to go, I'm going to finish this. So I did. And it was a bit, you know, a bit of fun. At this point, she's kind of a friend of mine because, you know, the familiarity and I've been around a lot. Mm-hmm. And, when the, and when the song was over, she walked up on stage and she said to me, Aaron, do you know how loud you were in the monitors? And I went, really? What's a monitor? I had no idea even what that thing was on the floor in front of me. Because oh, wow. again, I had done... I had done musical. Th- I never had a monitor in front of me before. It was like, like I said, just sent back. He would say to us, "See that back row? They have to hear you." Okay, so I guess they got to hear me. <laughs> and so that was kind of my first introduction to getting hauled up on stage. But the the band thing was back to the top hat, and and yeah, that was always a very sweet moment for me. That was, and hopefully the rest of the band thinks about it too. Um, in that way, which is very, yeah, it was a very sweet moment. And we got booked up then. We got the top hat hired us right away. And then we had to scramble and learn 30 more songs real fast. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. So you can blame your cousin for uh, biting you with the music bug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of cousins, actually. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of us. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. There's a lot of us. Yeah. Now, um, you uh, your first real band uh, that you joined was Psycho Ward. Then um, other bands like Spoiled Rotten, Naked Pictures. Um, that ran from about 1986 to about 1992 before you joined Biscuit. Uh, what did you enjoy most about those early years on the road? Oh God, you know what? You know, I think about it now as an old lady. <laughs> um, the things you do and you put up with that you don't even realize you're going through hardships because. I guess the music, just the gigs and the music made it all worth it. You know, being especially being the only girl on the road with all those boys all the time. I didn't have, um, I don't have any like hard stories about that because we always got along. It was more of a brother-sister relationship with anything. So we loved and hated each other all the one time, oh, you yeah. know. Um, I the, the road literally back in those early days was literally the road. It was Whitburn. It was Clarenville. It was this festival it was you know like you know this little town that little town oh my god where well, i didn't play on this island but like i said the early days it was very rarely we got off the avalon in the early days there was a lot of live clubs back in the day even in town i mean there was always somewhere to play and and we did we hopped in the truck on friday afternoons and and the beautiful rental vans we had and and back then nobody had systems in their club so it was a full-on system speakers light shows genie towers snakes oh we'd be four hours setting up to play for three. Oh my you god wow. <laughs> right and 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 especially like I, I you know i've got i've got a lot of videotape too we had cameras and we would bring rent cameras and bring them in you know like just going to clarenville so you'd leave town you're driving for two hours you get there you start setting up and again, you were four hours set up, go back to the band house, shower, try to get yourself together and play for three hours and tear it all down again. Wow. Like it, it, when I think about the work that you just did it because you had to, you couldn't afford roadies because you only got paid so much. You were lucky to get a bit of gas in the truck and go home with $50 in your pocket. But you know what? I got paid for singing. So 
And and as every band went on, it kind of it got a little better and a little better. And then you know, of course, the the road ended up being Air Canada, and <laughs> which was great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I don't regret any of the old. I to this day, I hate driving anywhere because I put so, I have so many road miles under this ass. <laughs> <laughs> right, if I can fly, it's like, do they have an airport there? Yeah, I'll fly, I'll meet you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Oh my God, the moose, the water, the moose and the bears and the wildlife I've seen on this <laughs> island, I swear, it's like a zoo. Right? Well, yeah, for sure. And you also accumulated more of that when you joined uh, Biscuit in 1993. And it was really like the... No, 92, actually. Oh, 92. It was 92, love. I don't mean to correct you. No, it's okay. No, 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 92, thank you for yeah. me. I appreciate that. But, no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> but, uh... Transitioning from uh, Naked Pictures over to Biscuit, that was really one of the, like, the first solid bands that you're really part of. I think you are part of that for like a good solid five or six years. So uh, how did that band come together? Well, what happened was um, Naked Pictures, I was in Naked Pictures at the time, and we were like, don't get me wrong, we were busy. And um, I think my drummer at the time, Andrew Stokes, he plays with Dana Parsons Project now, um, still one of my dearest friends. Andrew calculated one time, and I think I can quote him as saying, in two years, we had two or three weekends off. That was it. Like, that's how busy, like, you could be back in the day. Um, so when that band kind of finished and folded, um, I was going out with um, Gerard Kenny. We had been going out a couple of years at that point, probably three years at that point. But we'd never see each other because he was playing in, in New Kids on the Rock and, and Organized Confusion. New Kids and on the I was Rock? Playing what? In my, yeah, New Kids on the Rock. Yeah, that was my cousin Joe, the one that gave me the gig back in 86. That was his. He was in the best. Oh, my God. My, my boyfriend and my cousin played <laughs> together. Yeah, they were a great band. They were a really, really good band. Really good. So, and Jamie Grant was the keyboard player in that band. So, it got to the point, it got to the joke was, Gerard and I would get this, like, we'd hardly get to see each other, but we'd get to see each other on the weekends if we ran into each other at an Irving station on the highway. (laughs) Oh, man. Because everybody was always going somewhere, right? So, um, so when Naked Pictures folded and New New Kids on the Rock folded because my cousin Joe was going away to do his master's in uh, finance, they kind of folded. So Gerard and I talked about, why don't we just get a band together like nothing serious. Let's just play once a month. You know, get it. Even if it's just a gig at the Strand, which was a great gig, because back in the day at the Strand, I don't know if you know this, you played for seven nights. What? You played from you played from Monday to Sunday. Oh my! And then God. the next Monday, another band would start. No, it wasn't a weekend thing. Back then, you played. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday you did your last night. And as Biscuit, we used to get held over for a second week. Oh, it was just like I lived there. Oh, but anyway, man. getting back to the Biscuit thing. So Gerard and I talked, we said, he said, you know, we can get Jamie, good keyboard player. And we knew he was, he, Jamie was in the band um, originally, the Young Saints with Rob Cook that moved away to Vancouver. And, and um, Jamie came home So to, to further his education and stuff. So we ended up scooping him up. And then um, Gerard, one of Gerard's, best friends in the world was Santiago Serna, who he had played in a band with earlier. They grew up, um, went to school together. So he said, okay, we got our drummer. And um, Santiago said, well, Byron Cardi, who plays with Buddy Wassey's name and the other fellas now, <laughs> he, he said, Byron's a great bass player. We said, okay, now we got a band. So we decided that January of 92 
that, okay, we're just going to jam the winter. We're going to pick out some tunes. We're going to figure it out. And hopefully by the summer, we can throw our hat in the ring and get some gigs. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. So we spent that kind of winter jamming once a week, with, you know, going through songs, what's going to work, what's not going to work, what kind of band we're going to be, what kind of band we're not going to be. And especially with Jamie Grant, who can make a sound out of anything. So we, there was no limit to what we could do as in having that kind of level of keyboard player. And plus the boys were all top notch anyway. I was the weakest link in that chain and I'll admit that. So, <laughs> so what, ha- what had happened was getting back to Andrew Stokes, the drummer from my Naked Pictures days, he called me one day and it was um, probably uh, May. It was probably around May month. Mm-hmm. And he called, he called one day and he said, Aaron, he said, listen, um, Jerry Manning from Labatt. Now, again, I, when I was with Spoiled Rotten and Naked Pictures, we had done the Rock Stop tours for Labatt's two summers in a row. So he said, you know Jerry Manning from Labatt? I said, yes. He said, he needs a band for um, the second week of June um, for a, a new Labatt launch. And I said, well, why don't you guys do it? Because Andrew was playing in a band in Higher Ground with a couple of the guys from Signal Hill. It's very incestuous. That guy, everybody played with everybody. Oh man! So I said, "What? Right?" I said, "Why don't you do it?" He said, "We we just broke up." He said, "The boys are moving away," and I said, "Oh." He he said, "So I mentioned to Jerry that you guys have a band on the go, and he remembers you from the Spoil Rotten and the Labatt's days." So he said, "Yeah, just give her a call. See are they available?" So I called Jerry and said, Jerry, Aaron O'Mara, he goes, you're hired. <laughs> I said, don't oh, wow. you even want to know what we do? I said, don't you even want to know what we do? He said, look, were you doing the same stuff you were doing before? I said, well, no, not exactly. It's fun. No, 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 they're fun. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. So the very same week, Jerry Shea from The Strand called. Now, I played The Strand already with other bands. Um, and Jerry, God love me, just passed away the other day. I, I, uh, oh, wow. What an end of it. What an end of an era. Yeah, it was, it was, he was, what a gracious, sweet man he was. He was so good to us and funny. And anyway, Jerry Shave called us. And the, when he called, we just happened to be all at Gerard's house practicing. <clears throat> and again, we had all played for Jerry in different bands. So he said, yes, you know, Jerry, what can I do for you? Jerry goes, Gerard, I heard you guys, you and Aaron and Satya, you know, you guys are all together now. You got a band on the go. And Dre said, yeah. He said, so when do you think you'll be ready? And again, this is like April. Um, Dre said, we're going to be ready in June, Jerry. Pretty well, like June, we're giving ourselves like a date to be, you know, because if you wait for it to be perfect, we'd never get there. So he said, June. He goes, well, I'm going to hire you guys. And he said, okay. And he said, you know, I'm putting in a weekend. How's this weekend? Okay. So just say it was like the 17th of June, whatever it was. And he said, okay, Jerry, what's the name of the band? And Jerry said, well, we haven't really discussed the name of the band. And, and he goes, oh, well, just give me something. Now, the whole time we were jamming, the big joke was, because again, being the only girl in a, <laughs> in a, a sorry, guys, I'm telling this, sorry, boys, I'm telling the story. Being the only girl in the band, every time somebody fired it, it was a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, they stepped on a duck, oh, biscuit. Oh, so, ha, ha, ha. so Jerry's going, Drag, give me a name. And Drag goes, Jerry, we don't, we never even discussed that yet because, and we really hadn't discussed it because it was all about getting the music down. We'll think about the name after whatever. 
we really needed this to work. So Gerard said, oh, I don't know. Um, um, Jerry, just just put us in. And he goes, no, just give me a name, Gerard. And Gerard goes, I don't know, Biscuit. And we laughed so hard. And he goes, now, Jerry, that's not the name. I'll get back to you on that. And we just kind of agreed kind of at the moment, yeah, we got to think about a name now because now it's getting real. We're going to have to start telling people where this is or this. And within a couple of days, Jerry had it announced up on a big billboard, coming soon, Biscuit featured. <laughs> oh, wow. And we just kind of, and, and fun, really funny was people say, come with a great name. Oh, that's, I was like, really? Oh, if you didn't know what it really meant. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So now we get, now, now just before, and we figured, you know, the strand was going to be our first gig. Then we get, you know, the call from the bats, blah, blah, blah. So now we're doing this, the bats gig. Had no idea what it was all about. Jerry said, I'll get a hold of you for details. Jerry Manning, the bats is his name. Mm-hmm. Strand is in the bag. Okay, we don't have to worry about that for a couple of months. So I get I get some Jerry Manning invites us to Labatt. So Jared and I go down. I think it was Jared. I went down. And okay, guys, this is a launch. We're having it at the curling club. It's a launch for a new beer. Um, the whole curling club is going to be cleared out. There's going to be beer trucks. And it's invitation only. There's security. It's all you can drink, all you can eat. But who's invited to this thing is every festival committee, every club owner, every club manager in Newfoundland. Wow. So, like, I, I always make the joke, I did every food, berry, and fish festival in Newfoundland between the Bake Apple Festival and the Fish Festival and the Strawberry Festival and the Blueberry Festival and the Bake, like, everything. And plus, all of these club owners right across the island to launch this new beer. And of course, you know, the bets foots the bill for all that. Mm-hmm. So, they said, look, the whole thing is, we don't have it in the budget to pay you. Oh, boss, wow. Do you need po- boss, do you need posters done? We're going to give you jackets. We're going to take care of all them. Now, back in the day, it wasn't, you had to go to the hub or like the Dixon company to get proper posters printed. And it was a fortune. Like to get the big posters. They were going to take care of all of that for us. And they were giving us their new, the launch, the beer. I think it was the bad ice with these leather gorgeous jackets with, and they were going to engrave biscuit on them with our names. And, the, and we're like, okay, so basically we're giving us about $500 each. Let's go for that. <laughs> wow. And plus, and, and we want to give you a full sponsorship. Jerry, you haven't even heard us yet. Don't care. Okay. <laughs> so we, we, we go, we go through the gig. It is total, total, total madness. Now, it, there's hundreds and hundreds of people there. It's really funny because we learned, oh my God, we must have had, we probably had 40 songs in our repertoire at that point. And one of the songs we had, not, we didn't argue over it at all, don't get me wrong, but we kind of like, oh, I don't know if that's going to work at me. And I really fought for it was Paradise by the Dashboard Light. And I said, gosh, like we should, oh no, it's too dated, probably not going to go over. Oh, gosh, please. So we did jam it a bunch of times. I got to say, we did jam it a bunch of times. So we do this, we do this show at the Curly Club, Encore, 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 Encore. And thank God we had Encore songs. Okay, let's haul this one out. Let's haul this one out. Finally, at the end, we got the last Encore. And we looked and said, what are we going to do? And I looked and said, let's try Paradise. They're all loaded. Look, they're falling down drunk. <laughs> if, we, if we screw it up, who's going to know? Yeah. Type of thing. Well, <clears throat> Gerard hit that. Ba-da-dum, 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 and all I heard was a roar. 
And from that moment on, that was our pretty well our signature too. Wow, like, that's awesome. Before we before we became original, but that night, <clears throat> that night we at, at, when the lights went up. Wow, that's insane. We were booked up. We were booked up solid for four and a half months after that night. Every club. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You call me. You call, and we got booked up solid for that entire summer. We didn't even have to make one phone call. And we were so lucky, and and oh my god, we were so blessed. And which and after that summer, that led us to our regular green sleeves gig, which really put us on the on the map that way. And you might not think that green sleeves would do that, because, but, which it does, because a lot of people go there. But back in the day, green sleeves was the hope for the, the Leafs. Like it was, it it was the spot, like a great live venue. And uh, uh, Dick Hancock made us a house band there every Tuesday night, and there'd be a lineup down as far as the Sundance. It was crazy. Wow! Like the money people had back then. Like, and <laughs> like I said, the Strand was open seven nights a week and packed seven nights a week. Didn't matter who was playing there. Mm-hmm. You know, like crazy times, right? <laughs> so that's how my biscuit got together. So there you go. <laughs> no, that that's awesome. And um, you really had a very successful run with Biscuit. But um, I want to go to 1995 and also mention 1997 for a second. Um, 1995, you were at the Salmon Festival and you opened up for the Doobie Brothers. Of course, that was the Tom Johnston band when he, re- when he rejoined the band. And of course, uh, there's two phases of this band, Tom Johnston and Mike McDonald. I prefer personally prefer Tom Johnston over Mike McDonald. But you also... You oh, toured- yeah, me too. Old school. Old school. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you also toured with Spirit of the West in 1997. But I want to start with the Doobie Brothers in 1995. Um, playing at the Salmon Festival in Grand Falls, Windsor... Um, um, what was opening up for the Doobie Brothers like? Well, again, there's a great story behind that because we knew we had the Salmon Festival before we knew who the lineup was going to be. We were asked, um, yeah, we were asked probably a year in advance, like, can we, and because, again, we were getting booked up a year in advance. That's solid, but different things would come up. Are you guys available next July? Da, 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 da. You know how it goes. So we were, we were slated to do the Salmon Festival. It was us and Celtic Connection, who we did a lot of gigs with back in the day. We, we toured a lot together um, through Fabian and James, which is a whole other story. We can go into that in a minute. Um, but um, so um, we didn't know. Um, we heard that um, Burton Cummings was coming. That like kind of trickled down. But there was no main act. And then we heard, you know, I'm Mother Earth and, and uh, Base uh, is Base. God, I can't even remember who else was on that gig. Anyway. So about eight o'clock one morning, I was still living at home. I was, I don't know, 25, I guess, 26. And I, the phone rang eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, hello. And this was Gerard. He goes, Aaron, wake up, wake up. I said, I'm awake, I'm awake. What is it? What is it? He goes, I just got word from Salmon Festival. He said, I know who we're opening for. And I said, who? He goes, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> and he goes, it's the he said, it's the Doobie Brothers. Wow. I just went, I went dead silent. He goes, are you there? I started to cry. It wow. was like, classic rock was everything to me growing up. Again, because of my age. I mean, it was a classic rock to me then. It was on top 10. But um, yeah, I just got very emotional over that. I mean, Burton Cummings to me was like more than enough. Trust me. Yeah. But when I heard it was the Doobie Brothers and, and old school Doobie Brothers. Oh God, I was, uh, yeah. That was amazing. That was so much fun. I mean, I can't blame you. was so much fun. I can't blame you. Jack Livingston. I mean, I can't blame you for getting excited there, um, just for the fact that, like, yes, Doobie Brothers, nineteen seventies classic lineup, Doobie Brothers. I mean, I can't blame you for getting excited and crying for, over it. I know. 
And Jack Livingston is that was a big promoter, is a big promoter in Canada, and he really, really took a shine to us. Like he, he did a lot of work for us on the mainland and stuff too. We got to do some great gigs up there. But um, yeah, he he requested us, and it was funny because I said I was talking to him. He used to call me Janis Joplin all the time, even on their dressing room doors. It wouldn't be this; it'd be Janis Joplin. Oh wow! Um, he. Yeah, he'd say to me, he'd say, um, anyway, at the Salmon Festival, he did two really, really sweet things to me. Now, this is the the head guy, right? Like, he's the head guy. And he said, Aaron, I see you keep going out to the gate now outside. He said, well, where are you going all the time? Because we had it made backstage. I said, my roommate and basically our other best friend are outside, so I just want to go out and hang with them for a while. He goes, no, 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 that won't do. And came and gave me two backstage passes. He said, "You get your girlfriends in here." He said, "You don't don't you go out there. He said, you stay in here with us." Oh, okay. So when I went out to the gate to meet him, I slapped the two backstage passes on him, and they were like, "Oh my god!" Oh my god! And the and the other thing he did to me, I I said, "Jack, I only want one thing, and if it, like I don't care if it's like eleven seconds." I really want to meet Burton Cummings. I won't bother him. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to rush anybody, <laughs> but I'd really like to meet Burton Cummings just to say hi. And if we could get a quick picture again, cause I had my camera with me all the time. Um, and he said, Oh God, yes, Burton's great guys. Da, da, da. So I said, well, look, uh, we're just going back to our dressing room, which was those trailers. You know how they had them set up. And, um, a knock came at the door. I said, well, just let me know. Let me know. And Chris Griffiths, uh, Griffiths guitar work had a little, had a show on, um, Cable Nine, and he was out doing some interviews and stuff for his show for that. So he just happened to be in the trailer hanging out with us because we're all friends. And a knock came at the door, and come in, and in walked Barton Cummings. He said, I heard somebody in here wanted to meet me. Well, I went, it was me! (laughs) (laughs) And he... And he came in and hung out and had a drink with the boys and told us jokes and just... I, I will always always remember like how sweet and how gracious and kind he was and and we were all just like kids like oh my god it's but yeah so stuff like that so yeah i've had a lot of good experiences <laughs> like that is awesome yeah uh you mentioned phoebe and james for a quick second there and uh, there's a story about phoebe and james that you like oh. to tell us so uh, tell us a little bit more about him okay so fabian um hospitality newfoundland back in the day which is um um he would have a convention every year and it was mostly held in Gander because it was pretty well everybody from Newfoundland could kind of meet there evenly, you know what I mean? And and what it was, he would invite all of these festival committees, uh, basically festival committees, come home years, you know how it goes. And he he would have a package, he would have a booklet done up going, okay, my rock band is Biscuit, my Irish band is Celtic Connection, I have Snook, I have Bernie and Amy as the comedians, I have Felix and Fromage, which is like traditional Celtic, uh, Acadian. I have, you know, the St. Pat's Dancers. I have the accordion group. He had a genre for absolutely everything. Wow. So these, so all of these festivals would come and go, okay, for our big dance on Saturday night. Because, you know, they have like, you know, going on all week. But usually it would always end with a big dance the, the last night, whether it was in their little, it was in their arenas, their stadiums, the outdoor shows, whatever it was. And they would come and go, okay. And we got paired up a lot. It would be, we're going to get Snook the host, Celtic Connection's going to be the Irish band, and then we're going to close with Biscuit. So that way, it was a little bit of everything for everybody that night. And a lot of times, like a local band would open up earlier, which was really, really sweet too. And 
But Celtic Connection and us, we got put together a lot. And we had a ball. <laughs> so, and they would come and bid on you. Like, they would come and, like, festivals would come and bid on you. Okay, we'd like biscuits for that, but we'd like Celtic Connection for the night before. Or, but we'd always end up doing a lot of traveling together. And, and, and we were sold as packages to these festivals. And, oh, God, we did that for a bunch of years. That was, that was really good. Fabian really had, he was really on the ball with all that stuff, I got to say. It was a great promotion, and it worked. It worked really, really well, I got to say. That's wonderful. Yeah. That is wonderful. Good time. Oh, I'd say it was. Um, and, um, <laughs> like, I don't think you see much promoters like that anymore, but if you do, there's probably no. like one or a few in between. Uh, do you think music has changed that way, where, like, a lot of the big acts, uh, aside from, like, you know, your Iceberg Alleys and your Mighty Quintins, um, there's not much many big bookers bringing in big acts anymore? Is that because of, like, you know, Newfoundland is a hard place to go to, is because of the geography, the cost of, of flights these days? What do you think it is? Well, you know what? It's funny because it's almost like a full circle thing because in my travels and over the years, I've met a lot of people and I don't mean to be name dropping here, but um, the band Toronto, I absolutely loved. 1980, their first album came out. Uh, I was 15 years old. I know every breath of every word. Now, posters on my wall the whole bit. Now, skip ahead that um, the lead singer, Holly Woods, her name is Anne, actually, Annie Woods. Annie's a friend of mine. And we got talking, uh, we were doing a, a gig out at the Century Casino in Edmonton, and she talked about, she talks about Newfoundland very, very fondly. Um, Lydia Taylor also um, had come to Newfoundland. They did, they used to come on tour as a package, Streetheart, Lydia Taylor Band, um, uh, yeah, Toronto, all that. They, they would come as a package almost, play at our stadium. But they always had very fond memories of Newfoundland because, like Annie said to me, she said, Erin, here we were. We had, you know, top 10 hits on the radio. But in Toronto, we were still playing clubs. Now, bigger clubs, don't get me wrong, bigger clubs. Yeah. But they were still playing clubs. But they come to Newfoundland and they're selling out Memorial Stadium three nights in a row. Mm-hmm. So, and I said, Annie, you got to understand. I said, we were so remote back then. I said, not that your songs didn't hold up, because they did. Of course, they were just as big here as they were across Canada. But you guys came. So, of course, we're going to support you, because nobody came here. Very rarely people came here like that. And I said, but you guys came, and you were on the radio. So we're going to go down, and we're going to support the shit out of you guys. Mm-hmm. Right? And, she, and, and I said, so we loved you back. And she said, well, we felt it, Aaron. Like, and we get on that ferry with the trucks and curse and swear and go, oh my God, and the drive across, but it was so worth it, right? It was so worth it. And like to this day, Lydia Taylor, like I, I talked to Lydia and she said, she was, try- she was trying to come to Newfoundland last year and her husband, um, her husband got a little sick, so they had to cancel their trip, but it was all arranged and I just couldn't wait to see her. He just passed away the other day again too. It was so sad. Oh, wow. So my heart goes out, Lydia. Big hugs, Lydia, if you're listening, hon. Um, but yes, but they always have very fond memories. And you talk to the musicians, especially the older guys. Um, they That's how they remember Newfoundland. This like overwhelming um, love coming from everybody and the crowds and, and just, and anything. If I ever felt like a rock star, it was in Newfoundland. I, I, I'm just going to revert back to grade eight. Um, there was a show used to come on every afternoon. Um, do, you, do you remember Alan Thicke? The actor, um, Alan Thicke. Oh, uh, Full House, I think? Uh, yeah, one of those ones, yeah. Robin Thicke's dad. Anyway, 
he hosted a um, talk show, kind of, you know, like the, the Ellen, whatever, but it was a Canadian version. But before he hosted it, it was a man called Alan Hamill hosted it for a couple of years. Uh, he actually went on to marry Suzanne Summers. But oh, wow. He had, yeah, he had Trooper on one day. And, um, of course, Trooper Hot Shots album was just dropped, and it was huge. And, of course, everybody rushing home from school to watch Trooper on the show. And Alan Hamill asked the Trooper, what is your favorite place to play in Canada? And unanimously, they said, St. John's, Newfoundland. And, of course, that was all the talk in school the next day. And I've actually played with Trooper a bunch of times since and talked to them about That's it. Fine. I'll never forget that, you guys. I will never forget that, you guys. Like, you don't understand how that made you, like, your superstar status went up in Newfoundland. Because <laughs> right? wow. back then, there was no cable. It was two channels, so everybody watched it. <laughs> but, yeah, so that that's, yeah, there's not, none of that um, getting back to the promoter thing. Yeah, there's nothing. People, self-promotion is really, really taken over. Not that there's anything wrong with that, because I think you should be involved a lot in your own business, too. Um, but, yeah, there's not a lot of, um, it, it seems now, Unless you're selling, you know, hundred thousand units, that's when you kind of got to step in to get representation. But people seem to be doing it. But it's like anything, Zach. I made I made way more money thirty years ago than I do now playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like you know, the money was there again. Yeah, strands seven nights a week. Like, and that wasn't even downtown. That was in a mall. Think about that. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we'll get to that in, actually in just a moment, but. Uh... I want to go to 1995 for a second because uh, Shanigan Nuck uh, actually played at Aaron's Pub. Uh, they were like a regular act. Of course, uh, Aaron's Pub was like really hopping at the time. And uh, of course, uh, mm-hmm. one of the biggest bands to come out of there was Great Big C, of course, uh, out of the origins of Rankin Street. Um, but uh, one of the uh, fun things about uh, Shanigan Nuck back in 1995, the photo credits were from you. So I want to go into your photography career for a second. Uh, what what okay. year did you uh, start uh, taking up photography, and what year did you start taking up uh, photography for uh, other uh, musicians? Well, I don't remember not having a camera. Um, there's, I, I think I was like ten or eleven, and my dad bought me my first um, camera camera, um, and I, <laughs> I actually had to be sit down and talk to him about listen, you know, it costs a lot of money to develop pictures because again, it wasn't digital; it was all film back then. So you know, you're going to have to pick and choose what you're taking now because you know we just paid fifty dollars to get all these pictures developed for you, and you might get you know twenty good pictures. Out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. And then when I got in high school, you know, the cameras got a little better. You know, whether it was Christmas gifts or whatever. And and um, one of our teachers, Mister uh, Mister Survey, he was a photographer as well. Like he would do our school pictures and stuff for us as well. And, uh, and he knew my interest in photography and asked me and said to me, just go around the school, take pictures all year, see what we can use in the yearbook. Well, they used a lot of my pictures, which was great. And that kind of, and it was funny because, <laughs> you know, when you're, in, when you're graduating, they ask you, you know, uh, your favorite this, your favorite that, your mm-hmm. probable fate. And my ambition was to take pictures for Life magazine. Oh, but wow. my probable fate, but my probable fate was getting a few snaps in the Herald. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't make it to Life Magazine, but I've had hundreds of pictures in the Herald over the years. Yes. <laughs> and that, my own, yeah, that one song by Corey and Trina, you know what they always say? And, uh, uh, geez, I'm getting a little weird. I have to cover the Rolling Stone already. But um, the cover of the Herald. Yeah, because yeah, Corey and Trina did that song <laughs> back in 1975. And... Um, 
and keep getting richer, we can't get our picture in the cover of the Newfoundland Herald. But um, getting right. that picture on the cover of the Herald, especially now where it's not in print anymore, um, that was really uh, like uh, any uh, personality from here uh, stamp approval saying, cute. Hey, I made it. Oh, it's, it's the Rolling Stone of Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's the title of the Corian Trina tune. Right, exactly. No, it was a big deal, and it, and it should have been a big deal. I mean, like it was—it's ours, it's our own. It's kind of like a, it's a, yeah, you know, for our own peers. It's awesome. Well, yeah. So uh, I want to go back to 1996. Of course, uh, 1996. I mean, I just had my uh, uh, the day that we're recording this. I had my birthday a couple of days ago, but um, uh-huh. 1996 was actually uh, the last year the Strand Lounge was open and uh, you were the last yeah. band to play there and that's one of the main reasons i actually got you on here so tell me about that night and uh where in the mall uh where was the strand lodge located oh okay um i guess if you would go in now it's where sephora and lululemon and kind of that whole block there and it was an upstairs and a downstairs they had like a, a little irish pub upstairs and the bathrooms and stuff were upstairs um so it would be it would have been Kind of the mall has changed so much since then, but it would have been that area, we'll say. Okay. And it was it was fairly big. It was a fairly big spot. It was a steakhouse. I mean, it was my mother always said it was the best Caesar salad. <laughs> oh wow! So it was great. Yeah, great, great, great food there. I mean, they were known for their. I think it was what did Jerry, uh, Mister Shave, call him? Gentleman Jim Steakhouse. That was what it was called. <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> so seventies, so seventies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so it would have been around there, yeah, around that that geography of the mall. If I could underneath the escalators, but the escalators weren't there. We'll say on that corner. Okay. Cool. There you go. But, but yeah. yeah, okay. That night we had no idea uh, when the strand closed. I think they just went in and put the locks on it, so nobody, so whoever was due to play there, to, because. Um, the last couple of years of the strand, you just played Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. It wasn't a full week anymore. And I guess whoever was booked there the next weekend ended up getting canceled because we had no idea it was the last night. We actually had no idea. Nobody did. It was kind of like, guys, they just locked the door. You know, they put the locks on the doors at the strand. I was like, what? And again, going back to my sound man, Keith Goss, that was all, it was all his gear in there. Um, they did let him in. And um, get his, his because it was his system, his soundboard, his you know all his stuff. And they said you know take whatever extra cords you need. There's no need of them here. And I got a phone call from the strands saying, "Do you want the disco ball out of the ceiling?" It was one of those half moon ones. I was like, "Uh, yeah." So he just took it, grabbed it, and I still have that to this day. But to getting back to the gig, no. When we finished Saturday night, we just we had no idea that was that was it. So it was just a surprise to all of us. It just happened to be, we just happened to be the last band. Yep. Don't know why, don't know how. But yeah, that was a sad, that was almost, that was an end of an era, man. Yeah. And when I was a little girl, when I was a little girl, like my mom used to take me to the mall and there was a half French door there in the hallway where you could look in sideways. And every Saturday afternoon, the bands would do matinees. And um, I, I, was telling you this the last time we hung out. My cousin was Noel Din from Figgy Duff, and I would when Noel was playing, Mom would say, "Okay, let's go shopping." And I would I was just tall enough for my eyes to see up over the half French door, and I would stare. And he would come out on the break and have a cigarette and come out and visit with me and stuff. And oh yeah, oh, I can hear you. I can hear you. And there's great. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play in there, Noel. I'm gonna play. And the first time I played, 
going back to 87, I think, was the first few months after the band Psycho Ward was together. And we got our first gig in the Strand. Well, God, I thought I made it. But anyway, <laughs> and, after the fir- and right after the first set, I looked down at the soundboard because I, and Noel again, tall, long hair, big beard, looked just like Jesus. <laughs> and I looked down and I almost did a double take because he had his arms folded and he was stood up on the, by the back wall. And when I, when I, our eyes locked, he took his finger and he pointed at me and started smiling like you did it. Your hair, look, your hair. And I'm sure he was probably thinking of that little five, six year old peeping at him through sideways to the window. And just, I hope he was proud. You know, he gave me a big hug and stuff after because you're here. I was like, I know. <laughs> oh God, when I think about it now. But anyway, so yeah, that's my that's my strand. I have lots of great memories from the strand. God, it was a great place, great venue, great gig, great people. And I guess it's your age, your early twenties. This is, yeah, I can't say enough about the place. Wow. Um, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that it closed the year I was born. I would have loved to experience oh. this marriage, man. It's unfortunate, oh God, man. Like, uh, really, and it actually makes me want to go down to the Avalon Mall like uh, over the next couple of weeks or so to find out, okay, um, I need to find Sephora in, in the mall now and find out, okay, here's what a strain lounge used to be. Well, I mean, they would hire us for New Year's at the Strand and they would what they would do they would, we wouldn't play in the strand. They'd have a great big stage set up outside. And if you can picture, say the stage, um, okay, picture the Avalon Mall, that area. Say the stage is behind us is Sephora and Lululemon. And we are facing right down that big hallway that goes right down. Mm-hmm. And back then it was, it was Wilco or Walmart was down at the end at that point. And there'd be a thousand people in that space party at New Year's Eve. Wow. Yeah. Now the club was open because you go in there to drink, but for the most part, they'd have a great big stage set up, and there'd be a thousand people in that mall down that like hallway or opening, whatever. And it was just one big party New Year's Eve. Oh God, we did Valentine's parties out there. Yeah, we we would get hired for the big stuff at the Strand, like I said, the big out outside, which was great because it was great money and the crowds. Oh my God. And I got to say, with all those storefronts and everything all closed and all the glass storefronts, nothing really got damaged. People didn't get out of control. It was just, you know, people got drunk and probably threw up. That's not damage, really, mm-hmm. compared to what, if you, if you did that now, what would happen? That's yeah. the other thing, too. You know, everybody's so angry now. <laughs> Everybody back there is like, oh, just, you know, hold her hair back. She'll be all right. I mean, yeah. blame, blame Twitter. So I don't know, blame I don't know if they could get away with that now. Yeah. Listen, blame social media for that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Let's actually get to uh, 1998. That's when uh, Biscuit released, uh, I believe, your only studio album, Speak Now. And uh, that's actually, uh, we were talking about this off the air here. Um, You took that title before Taylor Swift took that title in 2010. So um, I think you may have She's totally copying me. (laughs) (laughs) She's totally copying me. Oh, yes. Um, Taylor, if you listen to this, uh, you're copying Biscuit. Just to let you know that now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah right can you imagine god love her i love her anyway <laughs> yeah but um how did it feel to have your own album out and what was that recording uh like uh for uh what was the recording like for that album well it's funny because we 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 were always we were always a cover band and it got to the point where we knew that biscuit was going to be finishing around the year 2000 um 
the driver was doing his master's. Jamie was engaged. It was just time to move on. We Biscuit was a good eight year run. I I'm not sure, but I think it was we did like over three thousand shows. Right, like Dry kept a really good record of all that stuff. He was very good on the business aspect of that. Um, so we just decided, not that we were trying to make it. I, I'm trying to use my words carefully here. Yeah. Basically, let's just do a souvenir for ourselves. Let's just make this last couple of years last. Let's do an album because we should. Like we, we obviously have the capability to do it. Let's see how we can do on writing some songs. Yeah, like a memory for um, ourselves. Yeah, just basically a souvenir to ourselves. And if it sells and does great, that's great. Mm -hmm. We were doing very well uh, monetary-wise. So when the album, so we decided, okay, we're going to do this. And we spent a year, uh, probably close to a year. And and what was good about it was uh, we had Rick Holland in the band at this point. And Rick's a brilliant songwriter and a really good producer. Like, he's got a great ear. Um, Ricky... um, we would do the songs live before we, so when we went in the studio, we knew these songs inside and out. So, which made the studio experience a lot better than going in and try to learn something. And let's try it this way. Like we had, we had harmonies down. We had, you know, and it was, we had more songs than what we needed for the album. We actually had to cut like four songs beside what ones we were not going to do. But yeah, it, it, I, I'll say it was easy. It seems easy now because it was so long ago, but it was, it flowed pretty well. And at the time, um, Fine Crowd was in a studio in Chapel's Coles um, doing, um, doing their album, uh, Sucker for Good Company, I think it was, whichever one it was. Yeah, and we really awesome. liked their, yeah, we really, really liked their production on it. And so we was kind of recommended that we went to the same guy. So we would go, we went to Chapel's Cove and, and the next thing you know, it's done. And But the good thing about it is we were making enough money that when those CDs arrived, we owned them. We didn't get a grant. We didn't get a factor loan. We didn't, it, it, they, it was ours. We paid for everything we did. So everything came back to us. And we were very fortunate. It's funny what we did. We took all our radio DJ friends and we gave them the album and said, what do you think the first, um, the first single should be? And you know, four out of five of them came back with Wish. And so we released Wish and it was on the top 10 within a couple of weeks. But I'm going to tell you a sweet story about that song. Absolutely. Go we for were it. playing in, we were playing in Gander. I think it was might have been the Festival of Flight or some it was some big gig we did in Gander. And because we had been there a couple of days, it was probably one of those hospitality Newfoundland things too. Because we had um, played a couple of nights in Gander, of course, sleeping all day. The last night of the gig, everybody's wide awake. We packed up the truck. Again, we didn't have gear and stuff like that. We just packed up our stuff <laughs> and we said, Let's go back to town. So it's four o'clock in the morning. We're at the Irving Station in, at um, in um, Gander, dancing up, going to hit the road. We're all wide awake. Everything's fine. We loaded up on junk food, maple flips, and all that stuff mm-hmm. to hit the road. Now we had talked about earlier. I said that I, I at this point I hadn't heard myself on the radio yet. You know, I know it's out there, and I, but it's just one of those things. I mean, I work full time. I just never heard myself yet. I wasn't fortunate enough to turn on the radio when it was on. People were calling me, telling me you were just, okay, fine enough. And it was, it was really funny because we had all talked as a band. Go, yeah, I haven't heard it either. I haven't heard, have you heard? No, I haven't heard it either. Ha ha ha. None of us had heard it. We get in the van. We're, we dress, okay, gas tank full. We're pulling out on the highway gander. It's like 4.15 in the morning. And we get just down the road. 
and the radio's on, and whoever the DJ was, whatever station it was, I don't even know, said, and from local, our local, from local band, you know, debuting at number whatever it was on this week's top 10, Biscuit, and it came in the wish. We were all together when we first heard it on the radio. Wow. It was all of our first, and we were all together, and it was like 4.15 in the morning on an empty highway in Gander. Wow. And I'll never, yeah, I'll never forget that. Oh, I was like, ah! Well, of course, we didn't hear it because we were all screaming and freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was, but it was it was cool. It was very cool, yeah. Yeah, just having that on the radio is a big deal for you. Like, you know, and especially where you're near the tail end of Biscuit, um, that, that's, you know, just kind of a stamp of approval for you guys, knowing that, like, hey, we made a pretty good run out of this. Well, well we had so many offers because we were in, <clears throat> at this point, we had, an Air Canada sponsorship, so we didn't have to drive anywhere anymore, especially because we had a lot of gigs on mainland. We had a full-on agent in Halifax that took care of us. We went all over. But um, we had uh, set many, many, many offers to do breakfast television, and we wouldn't do it because we weren't original. We're not going out and doing covers, sorry. Like, you know, oh, you guys are, no, 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 we're not going. So when the album came out and we got that call from breakfast television, go, now listen, we heard you got an album out. And we said, yes, we would love to do breakfast television. We did it like seven times over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right? And yeah, we had a great relationship with them. And, and we even kept an apartment in Halifax because it was just easier. We were up there so much. We were like, we'd be, we'd be gone for three weeks and come home for one and have to go for another two. Come home for a couple of weeks and we'd be gone for another five weeks. It, it, it was just like that constantly. But like, thank God for the Air Canada sponsorship. They would, we would go down the day before with all our gear, the drum boxes, the whole bit, the Air Canada cargo. And when we landed the next day in Halifax, our gear would be there waiting for us. We were very, very fortunate that way. And full of that sponsorship and travel quest. So we, yeah, we were very, very fortunate that way. And I mean, that's unheard of now. It's unheard of. Yeah. Cause like uh, you mentioned breakfast television. I mean, um, the breakfast television that like is on the air right now is of course with Dina Puglise. I can't pronounce her name for the life of me and Sid Sixero from um, Tim and Sid uh, fame. Uh, But the breakfast television I uh, was used to growing up with was on, you know, uh, ASN, which was came ATV and then CTV too. Yeah. That now is off the air as well. I mean, you don't see programs like that anymore. I know. And that show, the the one that the, the, ASM ones, the, the, the ratings for that were crazy. Like, everybody watched that. You know, Liz Rigney, who was the original Anna Green Gables in PER, one of the original Anna Green Gables in PER, she was, she came from a lot from musical theater, too. She was one of the hosts. Her and I became really good friends. Um, yeah, that was, everybody watched that show back then. It was, that's what you put on in the morning. Oh, my, yeah. Good times. Good times. Yeah, Zach, you're bringing me down memory lane. I love this. And uh, <laughs> that's really the purpose of this podcast is, uh, you know, just talk about new uh, ideas, new projects you got on the go, but also go over your career a little bit. And I just love going through that retrospective and getting to know you a, a little better. So uh, I really appreciate this, but uh, we're not done yet by a long shot. Um, so uh, after you left Biscuit in 2000, um, you really didn't play much uh, to my recollection. Uh, not really in a full-time basis, but more so on a part-time basis. But one of the next bands you yeah. were really part of was Trinity. Now, it consisted of Juanita Littister, Juanita Littster, I should say, of, uh, I Littster, believe it was yeah. of Old Irish fame, and then Priscilla Dalton, of course, from the fine crowd. So uh, how did you three get together to form that group? 
Well, it's funny because um, Wally the Lidster, um, I've known since she's, um, oh God, Wally is probably five or six years younger than me. Um, <laughs> getting back to old school, my aunt, my dad's sister, was in the convent for years, and her be- one of her best buddies in the convent was Veronica Lidster. And our, our summer place is in uh, Marysvale, which is between Colliers and Brigus, just to give you a little uh, geography. And the Lidsters are from Cupid's, which is like five minutes down the road. So in a small world thing, because my auntie and Veronica were such good buddies, the families became friends. And those Lidsters, there was a whole slew of them. And Juanita just happened to be um, the cousin of... Veronica. And then growing up, the Lidsters were all very, very musical. And Juanita was in a band called Lidsters Hill, and it was all her family in it. And they put out an album. They actually won a um, Best Country Band here in Newfoundland. They won one of the contests from, I think it was whatever Kicks Country was before back in the day. And got a lot of recognition for that and got to open up for some good people. And, and Juanita's brother went on to move to Australia and he's a musician down there and everything now. But I always remember Lidster's Hill, but Juanita was a bit of a standout of that. Like she played bass, she could play guitar, and she's a really good singer. And Priscilla and I um, knew each other because of the fine crowd connection and doing gigs together and blah, blah, blah. So when Biscuit was finishing, kind of when I knew it was finishing, we just got talking because Juanita and I would run into each other all the time. She'd come to my gigs, I'd go to hers. And we just, you know, hang out because we were friends over the years and family friends and all that stuff. And we just got talking about, hey, wouldn't it be cool? Like, you know, country, Irish and rock and roll. There's nothing we can't do. And it kind of came out of that. We just started singing together and and realizing this could kind of (laughs) work. And we had a ball. We, we got a backup. We used to do like we do acoustic stuff, just the three of us. And then we had a backup band behind us. And our very first gig was at my one stadium. <laughs> we got asked to do that pay it forward show. And wow. that kind of introduced us. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, we didn't have to do it. That was pretty nice because a lot of people saw us do that. And we got hard a bit. And the Fables even took us on a little tour with them. And after opening act, and yeah, we had fun. We had a lot of fun. That's wonderful. Now, um, one thing I really got, one group I really got to know you more about, of course, I've heard it on like a quality care hearing commercials, but um, we'll get to that oh. in a moment. But um, you were, uh, you were a lead singer of the Narrows. So uh, how did you get involved with those guys? Well, um, again, I was, I wasn't really playing a lot. Uh, I had gotten married and stuff and boo on that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like forget about all that. <laughs> But uh, they're all from Mount, they're all from Mount Pearl. I knew the drummer just vaguely, but not really well. Um, the boys all played in the et cetera band growing up in Mount Pearl, and very good musicians. And um, I, they had a singer, and I think who was leaving, or uh, I'm not even really sure. And they were looking for another singer, and they and Jamie Grant again, my old keyboard player, Biscuits. They know Jamie pretty well, and Jamie goes, why don't you give Erin a call? And they were like, oh, no, we can't call her. <laughs> so Jamie called me and asked on their behalf, and I said, sure. And we met, and that was like 11 years ago. Well, you know what's happened? We just folded. Yeah. Like this past couple of weeks, we just, the band just folded. Um, our guitar player, Craig, has started a new business and has just, just taken up so way too much of his time. So oh, wow. we just decided after, yeah, no, it just happened. It's all cool. It's all good luck. So I'm looking for another gig, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. 
oh no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm a little sad about it, but you know what? We had great gigs. The guys are great. They were sweethearts. It's all good. It's all good. That that's crazy, and uh, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that. But um, I'm I'm certain you guys had really great memories with e- with uh, with each other playing together. And I would oh, assume God. you're uh, you would still be uh, you know you're available for seeing gigs. So uh, maybe just with someone oh, else, yeah. maybe just by yourself. <laughs> Who knows? I could I could sing for myself if I needed to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to go back to photography for a moment because, of course, uh, okay. I've really got to know you uh, through your photos. And um, it's just you take some really good quality photos. Um, what is it about Thank your you. photography style that really makes you want to continue doing it? Or like, what is it about photography that makes you want to continue doing it so much? I don't. You know what? It, it's funny because again, every gig, I always had my camera with me. Like I have biscuit scrapbooks of just photographs that I like behind the scenes, like the back of like not just live shots. Um, it's funny because at that gig we did back at the church, um, Jackie Sullivan said to me, she, and I, I guess I thought about it this way, but I never really thought about it this way. She said, Erin, I love how you capture, well, it's been, like she's speaking for herself, so I love how you capture me, but I think it's because you're a musician yourself and you know. And I said, I guess so. Like, Again, I, I don't mean to go back to Biscuit, but the, the gigs I did with Biscuit, like there was one festival I did with Biscuit was I played with Peter Frampton, Leonard Skinner, Hart, um, Pat Benatar, Foreigner, Steppenwolf, and then uh, Toronto, Headpins, and a whole bunch of Canadian bands. And I had my camera there for every bit of that because I had access to do it. And I, and it, I guess just came trial and error, especially when you're dealing with light shows and stuff. But I always try, I always got in the back of my mind to portray them to look like rock stars and try to make every picture as flattering as you can because I've seen pictures that people have taken of me singing live and going, oh my God, look, I have four chains. Why would you put that there? But that's it. I try to avoid the four chains. I try to capture moments. It's great to get performances, don't get me wrong. And sometimes, like, Davin Adore was fabulous to photograph when she's singing and hitting a note because, well, she's so beautiful, but she just got that, oh, about her when she's hitting that note. And then, and then, but just a beautiful picture when she's looking away from the mic and looking off. And that's just to me, just as big a part of the performance as the singing part is. Yeah. You know? Especially for singers now, like guitar players, like um, Nick Earls, um, the cover of Nick Earls' new newest album, that's taken from my picture. He really? actually comes there and cuts. Yeah, that's a picture I took of him, and and I, I know you know my pictures that I do all these different angle thingies and stuff because I want to get that. I don't know, make it look like there's almost movement in it. You know yeah, what I mean? If absolutely. That's, if that's the right word, you know, rather than just, oh, here's a rectangle picture straight on. No, no, no. I want to get that angle up. A couple of years ago, I did a gig with Harlequin. <clears throat> and it was a private gig for uh, one of Greg Roberts' birthday parties. And I was shooting shooting them and stuff. And the bass player finally said to me, he said, come here. <laughs> I walked over, yes. He said, I-, I need to see what you're doing there. And I went, oh my God, yes. And I thought he was not mad at me, but he goes, I'm fascinated when you're coming up to the head of my base and I need to see what that looks like. So I started showing him, he's like, oh my God, can you send me that? Oh my God, can you send me that? Oh my God, can you send me that? 
Now, Derek Godfrey, the guitar player, and I are kind of friends, so I said, look, I'm going to send everything to Derek not to worry, and he'll just send everything on to you. But he just, he was kind of like, what is she doing? Because I'm sure it probably looks weird when I'm like <laughs> holding the camera on a, on a strange angle. Now on another note, he's not in Harlequin anymore. He's the new lead singer of Streetheart. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, 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 I really try to capture moments, especially when it comes to female musicians, because I am aware of you know, oh God, was my stomach in at that point? And oh God, I, I am, and it's not that it's a body shaming thing, but you want to be your best up there too. And you, and I always try to be as flattering as I possibly can be. And like I said, yes, the singing and the screaming and those notes are part of the performance, So, but so are the subtle moments of the, you're looking over at your guitar player or you're flicking your hair back or you're just, that kind of to me, that's just as much part of the performance as anything. And I like to capture the moments because they are moments. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and you definitely capture some amazing photos. Uh, and uh, like I see you at the shows, you're like going nuts, with trying to be like, okay, let me get one from this side, let me get one, get one from that side. But it really shows, and uh, you do a really fantastic job uh, with your your with uh, with your work. And you know, and sometimes um. Like, like again, when we that gig at the church um, a couple of weeks ago, um, with the with the use of the balconies was fabulous. But to go up on the right balcony, I went up a couple of times. And went, no, that angle's just not working. And I will try anything, but as soon as I look at it, I know. Yeah. And it, it's kind of I'm kind of conditioned to that now. Like I'll know, I'll know what's going to work and that's what's not going to work. And I, I will edit pictures to a point. But I don't want to edit them where I got to start getting wires out. This, I, no, no, no. I want it to be as natural as you can get. And I want to capture the essence of, like, the, the ones I got from behind where the crowd is just all, I love those shots, mm-hmm. you know? So, anyway, I, I again, I'm, I'm just trying to capture and, and what I would like to have done. Yeah, <laughs> if the... it was me up there. And that's how I think. If that was me up there, how would I like this to shoot? Uh-huh. Now, um, there's you actually know? one photo that you took uh, at uh, George Street Festival when Alan Doyle was headlining, um, and uh, you took this really cool photo of Kelly Loader uh, with them playing the piano and then having the crowd right there, and Kelly brought an amazing crowd. You took that on your phone. Like, how important? I did. Like, it's pretty crazy I how, did, like, yeah. phone cameras work these days. Well, you know what? It's so funny. I'm not, I'm, this is not a commercial for Google Pixel, but as a photographer... I went up to buy. I went up to buy a new Samsung Galaxy because this is my, like my fourth Google now Pixel phone. But I went up to buy a Galaxy and, and I looked at this new phone. He goes, "Oh yeah, they're new." And blah blah blah. I said, "Set up the cameras in both." And I took a picture of up in the village. Up, boom! And I took a picture of the village with this one. Boom! And I went, "Yeah, this is the phone. Thank you." Because again, of course, you're going to be able to talk on it and it's your phone. But the camera was important to me, and the editing features and that. Yeah, again, I just. And I see, and because we're only allowed to take pictures for the first three songs at George Street Festival for the most part, unless you're invited to stay by the band longer. And I knew that everybody else got their phones up, so the camera goes down, and I just watched Kelly from backstage and went, oh, look at that picture, look at the look at the 3D effect on it, oh, I'm capturing that. I will see stuff. And sometimes I will wait for a shotgun. If she just moves her head to it, well, I'll wait for it, I'll wait for it, I'll wait for it. Chris Drew said to me one time, I see you waiting. Because <laughs> sometimes I'll just look up and I'll see the lights and I'll go, well, no, 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 now. <laughs> so sometimes what may sometimes what may look like a, um, oh, oh, she captured that. No, 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 I'm waiting for that. I, I remember um, 
I've, I've done a lot of gigs with Helix, and uh, one of the guitar players, Chris, is a buddy of mine, and he was doing a, doing a show in London, Ontario, and he's got really long hair, and he's got really great guitars, and it was just one blue light shining on the back of the stage down, and he was just in front of it, and he's looking at me, I was like, back up. He was like, he's playing it. What? Back up a bit. And he went, okay. And he backed up. I went, a little bit more. And he's like, okay. So he got right under it. So it was just a bean. And, and he's going now and he's playing away. And I went, trying to get his attention. I said, put your head back. <laughs> he's like, what? And he, put his, and he put his head back as much as like, ah. And that picture that I grabbed looks, is it's the ultimate rock star picture. So I oh, try yeah. to grab So some of it, listen, 99% of it is, I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But the rest of it is like, move back a bit. Move over. But I've done it to Shannon and like, get away. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Have you got comments saying, like, Aaron, leave me alone, please. I'm trying to play. Yeah. No, honestly, like, the guys are like, okay, right? Because they know, right? They, like, I guess, they, okay, she's got something in mind here. I hope that's how they take it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you definitely, like, you do whatever it takes to get that perfect shot. And uh, it really shows in, uh, you know, the effort that you put into your photography. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Like I said, it's just a hobby. I got, I got, I'd like to think I got a little good at, but I do love it. Like I'm going out tonight. The Novaks are playing um, down at the Rock House. And um, there's stuff going on at the Bull and Barrel. There'll be stuff going on everywhere. So I'm just going to drop in and, and take a few pictures. I, Ended up with COVID again last month, so I was kind of shut down for a bit. But yeah, I'm going to go out tonight and grab some shots of my friends. And I just like it. Like, if there was ever a rock and roll archive, they should come to me because I've been hoarding all of this stuff for years. Oh, yes. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> if we ever had a Newfoundland and Labrador Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think we'd be going to you uh, as like our first resource of like, okay, uh, who played here from like, say, 1980 to 2023? I got it. I got it. I got it all backed up. For sure. Now, um, you are a, a hearing loss advocate because you've experienced hearing loss yourself. So you did some ads for quality care hearing and uh, in an industry where it's just loud noises all the time. Uh, how important oh. is it to take care of your hearing? Oh, listen, I, I it's funny because I I don't know when it started, but I'm sure it started back in the first couple of bands. Because again, you know, you didn't use any protection back then. You just, there was no in-ear monitors. There was no, and we were all pretty green back then. And uh, I guess, in, especially in the past ten years, uh, my favorite word was what? Excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> you know, and I didn't realize how deaf I was. And I'm just going to give you a little sound effect that I had everything like this. And if if you walked away from me saying something, I couldn't hear anything, but. If it was a really high-pitched squeal, I could hear that across the house. So I knew there was something off balance, and it's a really sweet story to that, actually. Um, in the Narrows, uh, one of our guitar players, uh, Les Hines, fantastic guitar player, singer, he um, he had cancer. So we decided we were going to get together a little fundraiser, a little benefit for him, um, for his family, just before Christmas. And a really good friend of Les's is Krista Hearn, who owns Quality Care Hearing. And Les goes, Krista is very well at the organizing the tickets and the whole bit. But when it came to getting bands to play this, because the, I don't know, it was four or five different acts uh, played for it. And they had tickets and giveaways and all that kind of stuff. Aaron, you take care of getting the, the, the talent in. That's what I do. I'm good at it. Let's go. I know everybody. I'll take care of that, Krista. You don't have the phone. 
say who you are and all that kind of stuff, right? So we had a couple of meetings, and she looked at me at one point. She goes, Erin, how dare you? I said, I oh, know, I'm sorry. And she goes, no, you need to come see me. Now, at this point, I'm going through a horrible divorce. He wiped me out. Long story, whatever. I can't afford hearing aids. And I said to her, I said, Krista, listen, I, I, I can't afford like four or $5,000 hearing aids. It's, just, it's a luxury I cannot afford right now. She said, look, you come see me after Christmas. She said, no, I'm, I'm going to get in touch with you after Christmas or something. It was something, and I just kind of let it go. It was like, you know, it's, it's really sweet of her, but whatever. But we did friend each other on Facebook, and it was great. So uh, just after Christmas, maybe February, March, I don't even know the exact date, she is at a convention in Amsterdam for this new latest and greatest Unitron hearing aid. And they told her representatives, you need to go home and you need to get three test studies. You need to get someone with industrial hearing loss. You need to get somebody, an old person who just experienced hearing loss naturally. And then a younger, I think a younger kid who born with hearing loss or whatever, that kind of thing. And she chose me as her industrial, because usually you think industrial construction worker, heavy equipment operator, blah, blah, blah. But basically it is industrial. And she and, and said, look, could you do the commercials? And they gave me a really, really, really good deal on the hearing aids. I agreed to do their campaigns for them. Um, they were just, and listen, besides being so sweet and good to me, they know their stuff. She, like, her and Anne-Marie, Kristen and Anne-Marie changed my life for, for the better in every way. Like, I didn't realize how deaf I was and how much I was losing and how much I didn't have till this. And I can't say enough about them. I, I tell everybody. Anybody says what to me now, I was like, you know where you got to go. <laughs> and they were so sweet. They let me pay it off. It wasn't like they let me pay it off over time. Whatever works for you, Erin. And I just, I thought, oh, and the customers, I can't say enough about them. I'm gushing. I could cry here talking about it. How it's changed me in the past. Like it's been three years now. And unreal. I can't even. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. For sure. Four years. God, it's even more than that, even. But yeah, it's amazing. I can't, I, it's, yeah. I, but I didn't realize how bad I was till it was fixed. And uh, it's great to know that you're doing well uh, with your hearing and you have those hearing aids uh, to your access. Uh, oh, my access. God. But, um, I'm talking to you through them right now on Bluetooth. Oh, really? I am. And, oh, I, listen, these are the Cadillacs, honey. I got the Cadillacs. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These things are amazing. You answer the phone on them and everything. It's wicked. Now um, we are almost done, and this has been an absolute fun conversation. Oh, um, boo. I love this. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop. Uh, you're, stop. You're, you're too kind. Uh, I'm so humble on this. <laughs> Oh, honey, thank you so much. This is this has been great. Like I said, I stroll down memory lane. I can't believe how much good research you did. Good God, honey, <laughs> I would have to think about those dates <laughs> for sure. Now, um, what's next for you, Aaron? Um, I mean, like of course, because you're uh, you uh, you recently just said the narrows have folded. Uh, but um, what else yeah. is next for you? Okay, so oh God, here's a story for you, Zach. Um, back, okay. Morgan McDonald is a um, the Newfoundland sculptor. I don't know if you know who he is, but oh, yeah. uh, you'll know soon enough. Okay, so yes, Morgan has done the George Street statue and many others and, and across Canada. Um, Morgan is also a big music fan. So in 2020, when Neil Peart died from Rush, the drummer from Rush, for those who are listening and don't know, um, 
Morgan decided he was going to just sculpt Neil behind a drum kit. Then, I, I'm, I'm doing this in a nutshell, the city of St. Catharines put out a tenure for, they were going to put a, um, a some kind of memorial to the, uh, the Neil Perk Pavilion in St. Catharines, Ontario, down by the river. It was full park down there. And Morgan's always had in the ring. Long story short, um, between all the artists that submitted and it got down to so many and down to so many and down to so many. This has been a couple of years in the process. Morgan won. And in between that, Neil Peart's family has come back and forth a couple of times. So last winter, uh, Morgan said, come on down. Um, I'm doing a presentation over Zoom to the city of St. Catharines at the board of directors and the guy from Sabian Symbols was there. And so it's, it's not just the, the sculptors he's doing for Neil. It's a whole installation with, anyway, you know how these things work. It's going to be a bit. Mm-hmm. And Neil, Neil's family came down that night and we met, we all met. Now, well, his sisters were the same age. Um, his niece was there. We all got to know each other very well. Long story short, at the end of the night, we're all best friends. So <laughs> Debbie Lake and I, um, Debbie is Morgan's, one of Morgan's uh, right hands, one of his right hands. Um, and Debbie Lake and I uh, um, got to know the girls really well, stayed in contact. Then we hear there's a Neil Peart uh, memorial concert going on in October that was supposed to happen right after he died, but because of COVID, everything got shut down. Yeah. In, and this was going to be in, St. Ka- in Niagara Falls, St. Catharines, where like the area. So um, we were invited. And bring your camera, Aaron, you're going to take pictures, blah, blah, blah. And so Debbie and I, yeah, we booked it right away. So we're going up to this Neil Peart Memorial and getting to see all this. But what we didn't realize that we were really going to be a part of this. And, this, and we arrived at the hotel and, and Nancy and... and um, Kelly showed up and they had gifts for us and then they brought us down to meet Neil's mom. We were all in one hotel, by the way, because it was like a big rush convention. Wow. Uh, And got brought down and met his mom and then we were, Debbie and I were included in absolutely everything the family did, even the private family luncheons. We were included in that. And uh, of course, you know, now we, we, we bond, especially Kelly Parrott and I, Kelly and I, uh, we bond over uh, ex-husbands, menopause, and mustaches. It's fabulous. So, but that weekend, we and and besides the concert, and the, I mean, you probably just saw some of the pictures I took of that. Um, we were included in everything. We had we were driven around. We, um, we had bodyguards. It was hilarious. Zach, it was hilarious. <laughs> wow. Um, so so now, um, the family has has a Neil Peart Memorial Fund where they put together fundraisers for. Um, different um, charities that Neil was involved in. Neil, uh, the, the sisters, the family promised they were going to keep his legacy going, especially with his charity work because it meant so much to him. On the Friday night before the big show, um, we were invited to a big club in um, St. Catharines that the Rush Tribute Band 2112 was going to be playing at. And um, it was a fundraiser for one of Neil's charities. I wasn't really paying attention. I was just, okay, we got to go. Like, you know, I'm taking pictures. And it turns out the fundraiser was for the Christian French women's shelter. Uh, Christian French was one of the girls that was murdered by um, Paul Hamoka, no, Paul Bernardo and his wife. um, Oh, God, I can't remember her first name. 
huge, famous Canadian serial killer. And she was one of the girls that was murdered by them. And her brother was Neil's best friend since kindergarten. And I saw the movie, I read the book, and here I'm sitting down with her family. Well, that was, that just tore to God. I mean, really. So, getting back to the, the gigs coming up. In March, coming up here in March, March 26th at the Rock House to be exact, the family is coming back to Newfoundland because um, they love it here. And again, well, well, Bessie. <laughs> and uh, the girls are all coming back to Newfoundland uh, for a week. And um, they're going to do some stuff with Morgan with the with the installation and with the, the, the pieces. And we are putting together a Rush tribute show at the Rock House um, on that night. The girls are going to, the sisters, the family's going to bring lots of Neil stuff down to auction off, silent auctions. We're going to have tickets, giveaways, hotels, gift certificates, all that kind of stuff as well. The girls will do full meet and greet. The family are amazing. And so if you want to meet these sisters and stuff, they are fabulous. Come on down. But um, I have put together a band um, to play. And it involves Cindy and Ronna Witchman, which we'll go back to the chaos story I told you like an hour ago. Yeah. Um, they went on. They went on to move away and do very well for themselves in an original band called Nail. They play all over Europe. Very heavy metal. They were both in Helix for years. Um, Ronner's a fantastic producer. I'm actually doing a solo album now, so Ronner is my producer for that. Um, so yeah, so we put together a rush show, and. Um, yeah, so we're going to have two bands play. The girls are going to get up and do a few speeches. We're going to introduce Morgan to the crowd and what he's been doing and like a, a little sneak peeks as much as he can give without giving too much away and just make it a full rush night. But yeah, the sisters are bringing down a load of Neil swag to sell, to give away, to have some stuff on silent auction, all of that kind of stuff. So it, like, if you're a rush fan at all, please come down. We decided to have it on a Sunday so most of the musicians would be off. Yeah. So everybody could come because everybody said, like, even if you're not a drummer, you know you're going to come, right? So it should be good. Should be good night. Should be a great night, actually. And if we can raise some money because the family has to, the family has to come up with a, um, they have to raise a million dollars to get this actually done as part of their deal with the city of St. Catharines and the province of Ontario or however it works. Yeah. So the girls are on a mission. So they were only coming down. This was all my idea. I said, like, if we can raise a bit of money and, and you can sell some of Neil's stuff and get, like, it all helps. And that'll be a little bit of help from the Newfoundland contingency, considering Morgan, our own, is doing is doing the, the, the art piece, which is wow. such an honor and very cool when you think about it. Just of exactly. all the... Of all the artists in the world, like one of the one of the people that submitted was the artist who did every single Rush album cover, and Morgan beat him. Wow! So think about that. That's insane, right? So think about that, right? So this is huge, and I, I just want to I want it out there. I want everybody, and then if nothing else, it's a good night of Rush, and we'll have a, a laugh with it. For sure, and um, uh, Pat James has got his hands full that night. I can imagine that. Of course, uh, Tony uh, left the ship uh, not too long ago, but Pat James, um, man, he's been making some moves ever since he's really taken over the booking uh, for the for the. Rock hey, Rocks. listen, you know Pat and Pat and I started kindergarten together. Hey, oh, wow. back in that school, <laughs> back in that school, I talked about. Oh yeah, he's Mary Queen the World alumni as well. We definitely need to get you on again to talk about that. But um, just to wrap up here, um, if there's one word or phrase to describe your career, uh, what would that be and why? 
Oh, God, Zach, that's the best question ever, and I don't even know if I have an answer. Um, real and surreal at times. I had a great time. I had great parents. There was a lot of laughs growing up. My music was very encouraged. Parent, my parents said, don't jam in the basement. We don't care. Um, you know, the, the good times far outweighed the bad times. Let's put it that way. And the bad times, when I think about it now, I mean, as, as you know, if accidents happened or you fell out with somebody, it was still, I loved the music more than I hated the bad times, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess at, at like I'm going to be 58 years old in a couple of months and I sit back and the fact that I am 58 and I'm still able to at least get five people to come see me play, yeah. I, I, will, I will never ever take that for granted because, you know, back in, in my 20s, even my 30s, it was like, oh God, you know, what am I going to be doing at 30 years? I'm not this, but yeah, I kind of am. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 it's, I... I'm grateful. I'm still grateful. I have. I'm going to knock wood here on my health, and yeah, I, I I'll do it as long as people go. Listen, lady, go home. You're hooked up to IV. Go home, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, listen. It's been an absolute thrill to have you on the program. Um, and I'd say you have tons of more stories to tell, but we'll save that for another time. Aaron O'Mara, thank you so much for joining me on Musical Connections today. All the best to you with uh, what's to come over the next few months, and uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, honey, and this has been a pleasure, and thanks so much for thinking of me through this. I didn't think I had too much to say, but apparently I did. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I will see you soon, I'm sure. Man, I certainly wish we could have Aaron O'Mara on for a longer time, but what a great conversation that was with musician and photographer Aaron O'Mara. On the note of wish, here's that song right now from Biscuit on the Musical Connections podcast.
hope that is going to wrap up episode 14 of the Musical Connections podcast. Big thank you to Aaron O'Mara for joining me this week as being my guest. Great, great conversation. If you want to be a guest on the podcast and have new music for newfound releases, make sure you send your production credits along with you because I do like to give the writers and composers of the songs a lot of love and show how spoiled rotten we are with the talent that comes from Newfoundland and Labrador. Heading back now to uh, the information. You can email your new releases and interest in interviews to musicalconnectionsnl at gmail.com. Thank you so much for connecting. I've been your host, Zach Snow. Stay safe and please be kind to one another. New episodes drop every Tuesday at 12 noon, Newfoundland Standard Time. I'll talk to you then, and until next time, safe home.